This is the Biz News Podcast, one-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. This is a story you might say is about commercial real estate, but more realistically, it's about a tenacious descendant. It goes back to the 1930s in Germany when the Nazis forced a family to give up their family-owned business and its textile factory. Fast forward to the end of the 20th century and psychiatrist Dr. Joanne Intrator, who picks up the story in this Biz News interview podcast. It, it really starts at my father's deathbed. I went to visit him, to see him. He was in Palm Beach and I knew it was coming towards the end of his life. And I was there with him in his hospital room and he looked very deeply sleeping or maybe even in a coma. So I turned the television off and I sat there and all of a sudden he sat right up and looked at me and, and he looked at me as if he were a much younger man. And he said to me, are you tough enough yet? And do they know who you are? And he went and, and lay down again. And those were the last words I'd ever heard from my father. He died, died within, a, within a day. And I thought about what he said and I had an idea of what was on his mind. A year before or shortly after the Berlin Wall fell down, which created the largest piece of uh, real estate parcel in the world at that time, he had learned that a building owned by his father in, in what's called Mitte, the center of Berlin, the historic center of Berlin that had been hidden by the wall, this large manufacturing building had our family's name in what's called the Grundbuch, which is the history of the ownership of the building. And he knew that since I've always been interested in Germany and his background and study German history, that I would be very interested in taking over his role in this case. He also knew that I'd be terribly afraid Douglas, that, that I'd always had anxiety about Germany. And actually in, in uh, 1967, he rescued me when I was in Berlin doing an errand for the family and I couldn't continue. He said, Joanne, you can come home. So he knew that I'd be both interested in this case and quite fearful. So he was throwing a gauntlet down and saying, these are my last words to you, Joanne. Uh, this is how I'm presenting this case to you. A couple months afterwards, a very distinguished lawyer from uh, Germany, from Berlin, came to see my brother and myself at the Waldorf Astoria. And he told us about the case. He was going to be the lawyer for the family. The family consisted of my brother and my uncle Alex, who was in his middle 90s, and another portion of the family. And he explained to us that the uh, that we that there was a, that there was a bit of a problem that uh, we probably didn't, weren't aware of, which is that there was another business, uh, the descendants of another business that were claiming that the building was theirs, and the building was taken from our family in September of 1938 just to put it in perspective. 
this, these other, these descendants claimed my grandfather was a bad businessman. And that's why the building went to a forced auction and the and, and these businessmen took the property over. And I, I said to our lawyer, that's absolutely absurd. 1938, five years into the Nazi regime, my grandfather was broke. The Nazis were bleeding him with these exorbitant taxes. How could he pay his mortgage? He said, the lawyer said, again, you've got to prove that anti-Semitism was the cause of this auction. I, I thought this was patently absurd. And I, and I thought it was like, this is a joke. This is ridiculous. My whole life has been about this anti-Semitism. In, in, in Germany. It brought both my parents to the United States and it's, it's been the background shadow of my whole life. So I didn't really think that this was much of an issue. And when I said that to him, he said, I'm not so sure you're correct because there are no, there's no paperwork about the auction. I said, I, and I said, why is there no paperwork? He said, the Gestapo burned all the files. So I said to him, who gets a building in 1938 without Nazi connections? This doesn't make any sense to me. And he said, this is what's going to happen. He said, your family is very likely to win the first round in the, in the judicial section, sector of, of, of Berlin for these kinds of property, but they're going to take you to appeals court and it's gonna cost you a great deal of money and by then, all your older members of the family will be dead. At the time, I couldn't grasp the horror of that statement. It just sort of went over me. And only upon thinking about that meeting did I realize that that was very cruel. My father had just died. My uncle was 95. And he was saying that the large part of our family would, 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 over, would be dead. So I, I, I was really perplexed, but my brother and I, my brother was with me at the meeting. We said to, to, the, to the lawyer, this is really patently absurd. Well, the lawyer then said, I have an idea. Why don't you join forces with the opponents? And I, I, I looked at him, you want us to like, like share a, you know, a dessert? You want to, is that what you're, what you're saying? And, uh, and I said, we're not going to do that. We just will not do that. And uh, then he explained to us, you know, uh, you know, that he was going to have us sign up for the case and, and it was going to be a contingency case. So we would only have, we would not, we would only give him a certain percentage of, of, of the building uh, sh should he be successful. Should he not be successful, it wouldn't cost us anything. Again, I didn't think about what contingency meant at that time. I was kind of like overwhelmed by, you know, the, the, the specter of my grandfather going through this and the auction of the, of the property and my grandfather having no money and, um, and my father having lost his job as both a lawyer and training as a judge. I just, I, I couldn't get this all out of my head. So, so that, that uh, Joanne, that uh, takes us uh, to the point where you decided to continue your legal efforts to gain control of the of the property. What was the bottom line after 
years of haggling in the courts in Germany. It took nine years, Douglas, nine years. Nine years and, and many, many trips for me to come and leave my profession, leave my family and go to Berlin and meet with these lawyers. And they continued to try to convince me to, to settle. So what happened is somewhere into year seven, I hired an international investigative agency because I wasn't getting anywhere. My German wasn't good enough and no one was answering any of my questions. So this international agency, uh, did this, this, this incredible investigator um, found out very shortly, you know, within, within just a number of weeks that the people that took the building in the forced auction were actually tenants of my grandfather. So they were there actually since 1931. They were very aware of what was going to happen to my grandfather. The, the handwriting was on the wall, what was going to ha happen to, to Jewish owners of businesses. And shortly after that, he produced the Nazi party memberships of these people. And there'd been Nazi party members sitting there waiting for the right time to sort of pounce on the property. So that was already quite a shock. And um, I had been told it's not possible to get Nazi party memberships, you know, all of which was patently untrue. Um, and then the, the, the investigator continued and he found out that first that the Nazi flags, the Nazi flags that you'd see in the 1936 Olympics, the big flags, all the you know, bunting that you see were produced in my grandfather's very large textile manufacturing building in the middle of Berlin. And then sort of a, within a year, he found out that 1 million Jewish stars were produced in the building in September of 1941. The first Jewish stars that were going to be placed on German Jews, such as my grandparents who were still in Berlin at that time. And to me, that was just the most shameful piece of information. Unfortunately, by the time that happened, I, I negotiated to some degree with these other people because I was never going to get out of this unless I put some money on the table. So, uh, Joanne, how did you get out of it? Did you find uh, support from the German government at all? Absolutely not. It, 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 it was like a faceless bureaucracy. I was dealing with people that were not from really, the lawyers were from West, West Germany. The people that I was dealing with involved in these restitution cases had been uh, under the East German government and they had no experience with democracy and they lived their lives uh, through bureaucracy. We don't know, these are just rumors, it's not possible, we don't have enough help. Those are the kinds of things that I kept hearing and those are the kinds of things that egged me on. And now uh, that we are recording this years later, what, where does the building stand or not stand, or the property, I should say, and where, where does your relationship with it? 
Well, the building um, uh, was was sold. In, in other words, an agreement was made with the opponents. Uh, the opponents originally wanted as anywhere between 30 and 50%. They ultimately only got 12%, uh, but I had to continue my life. I had to move on. And uh, so the building was sold and it's had sev several owner owners and uh, building has been beautifully updated and is quite looks quite different than when I first saw it. Um, it's a very popular building in a popular area that was somewhat deserted when I started going over there. And the last time I was in the building was in 2018 when a plaque was placed on the building stating what had occurred here, that the Jewish stars were manufactured in the building. And it was quite an event with several uh, government people and lots of uh, supporters of uh, restitution and some friends and uh, it was very, very meaningful and it, it, it meant a great deal to me. Now you have put this into a book. Uh, tell us the name of the book and what's been the reaction? Well, um, the book is called uh, Summons to Berlin and uh, the reaction is not published yet, will be published next year, and I'll be delighted to come on the show one more time and tell you all about that. But the people that have read it have been very enthusiastic about it, because not only do I tell the story of the case, but I tell the story from the point of view of being a psychiatrist with some expertise in character pathology and understanding the history of the Nazis and how that happened in Germany. So the story is, is written as me as an observer, but also me as the person that's going through it that had an enormous amount of fear of going to Germany and had to overcome my fear to be successful. As a scientist, and I, and exactly. I guess we could say uh, psychiatrists, doctors, et cetera, are indeed scientists at heart. Yes. What, uh, what, how would you characterize the current uh, German uh, government relationship to their Nazi past? I think some, some people are doing an incredible job of coming to terms with it. The people that I met once, once I was involved with the building after it was sold, um, there were several uh, uh, opportunities to meet many German people. There was a major exhibit in 2013 that included the, uh, the building and it, I was a guest of the German government at the time. It was the people that were involved in this were extremely sensitive uh, to what happened and we really wanted to make up as much as they could and they were very welcoming to me and they were involved in looking at the uh, architectural and archaeological history of this area in East Berlin that had been a wasteland and, tr and trying to find some of the Jewish families whose properties had been destroyed. Obviously this, you know, uh, you know, there are people that uh, are, are kind of still stuck in that area. I didn't fortunately get too close to anybody like that. But Germany is very interesting right now, particularly Berlin, because Russian Jews came there, you know, 10, 20, 10, 15 years ago. Lots of Israelis. It's become such an international city, such a sophisticated city 
you know, it always was before the war and now it's getting some of that back again. So I find myself always kind of thrilled to be there, but a, a teeny bit wary, a teeny bit as I walk through the streets where my grandparents lived and I go in areas that I know the Nazi history, I get a little bit anxious, but I remind myself of the courage that I had to do this. And what my father said to me, his last words to, to encourage me to do this. And I think of him. And when I, when I gave this talk, when the plaque was put, I could imagine him in the room with me, really like applauding me. You've been watching the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. Thanks for watching.